Welcome to the OKC Community Podcast. We are so glad you're here. For more information about us, please visit our website at okccommunitychurch.com. Amen. All right. You guys ready? All right. So uh, I do have to mention one more thing about 24-hour prayer, and, and, and I know we talk a lot about prayer, but this is our prayer. This is what's been our prayer for the last number of really for last year, more kingdom come, more God's will done on earth as it, in heaven, as it is in heaven. We want to see the spirit, more spirit, more salvations, more healing, and more breakthrough. This is what we've been praying, and we're going to continue to pray that because we believe that God wants to do a greater work than we could ever do on our own, and we would see God's spirit poured out in our city, in our time, in our, in our lives, and we would see God do things that we'd never seen him do before, and we often call this that we want to see God stir up the embers of revival in our city and for God to do a miraculous, powerful work of change and transformation. And so that's what we've been praying for. We're going to continue to pray for. But if you join us, you're also going to get a card. We're going to talk about these things for this 24-hour prayer period, just so you know. We believe if God's going to move powerfully in any generation, it's going to involve young people. And so we are praying for the next generation. Um, We want to pray for students and kids all the time. But specifically, we have an opportunity in the coming weeks to reach kids through the things that we're doing right here in our church. So we want to be praying for that during this 24 hours. We're also going to be saying, hey, we want you to lean into the personal needs, hopes, and breakthrough you need in your own life. And then we feel like God's really called us to be a church, OKC Community Church, to be a church that promotes <clears throat> unity in our city and peace in our city. And so we want to see church unity, so we're going to ask people to pray for church unity. So those are just a few things that I wanted to kind of mention that we are, we are uh, praying for. So, sound good? All right. All we can do is ask the Holy Spirit to come, right? So we're going to ask him to come, not only on that 24 hours, but today. So let's get into where we are going. As if we know where we're going. We just finished a year with Jesus, and now uh, we're just going to like, I just flipped in the, the Bible, and I, it went to Joshua. So we're going to go to Joshua chapter 1. Maybe. I maybe did a little more than that. But go to about the book of Joshua. If you have a Bible, you can do that. going to jump into this rather quickly. If you don't know anything about the book of Joshua, Joshua is the sixth book of the Bible. And it's after what is known as a section of the Bible called the Torah. Everyone say Torah. Torah is just a great word to say. And Torah represents uh, what is known as the five, book, the five books of Moses or the Pentateuch, which is Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, and Deuteronomy. And four of those books... Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, and Deuteronomy primarily chronicle the story of God's people over a period of around 40 years, during which that time Moses was the leader of God's people. Now, most of you would know this, pop quiz. What did the people do during the majority of those 40 years? They wandered. They were wanderers. You remember the story. Moses says, let my people go. Then all this kind of crazy stuff happens in Egypt. They're actually led out of Egypt. And God is promising them this land. It becomes known as the promised land. He said, this is going to be yours. And the people say, okay, great. But then they get there. They see some people in it. They get nervous. They don't enter the promised land. And they end up wandering for 40 years. And then a lot happens in those 40 years, and Moses dies. And when Moses dies, Joshua becomes the new leader. Now, Joshua had been Moses' sidekick, his aide for years. He's been his friend. He'd been, he had spent time with them 
when, he's, when Moses spent time with the Lord, he had went up on the mountain with, with Moses. And, but, Mo, but Joshua had become sort of a military leader. And uh, when, he, when, when Moses dies, it was obvious who would lead, that it would be Joshua. And so let's look at the story begins to unfold. Joshua chapter 1. Remember, of course, they've been wandering. Joshua 1, starting verse 1. So after the death of Moses, <clears throat> the servant of the Lord, the Lord said to Joshua, son of Nun, Moses' aid, Moses, my servant, is dead. Now then, you and all these people get ready to cross the Jordan River into the land I am about to give to them, to the Israelites. I will give you every place where you set your foot as I promised Moses. So he's obviously talking about the promised land, right? So God tells Joshua, the wandering in the desert is over, no more. I'm going to give you every place where you step. Where you step. Verse number five, no one will be able to Stand against you all the days of your life. As I was with Moses, I will be with you. I will never leave you nor forsake you. That's a familiar verse if you know anything about what Jesus said when he left. Be strong and courageous because you will lead these people to inherit the land that I swore to their ancestors to give them. Be strong and very courageous. Be careful to obey everything or all the law my servant Moses gave you, do not turn from it to the right or the left, that you may be successful wherever you go. Keep this book of the law always on your lips. Meditate on it day and night, so that you may be careful and be careful to do everything written in it. Then you will be prosperous and successful. Have I not commanded you? Say it with me. Be strong and courageous. Do not be afraid. Do not be discouraged. For the Lord your God will be with you wherever you go. So three times in just these few verses, God tells Joshua to be strong and courageous. So let's begin today by just asking a question. How many of you feel very, very overflowing strength when you get up in the morning? How many of you feel very, very bold and very, very courageous when you face your day? Okay, so this is a worthy conversation to have. It seems to be, and not everybody's. We all want strength. We all want courage. And there are times when we feel like we are sort of on top of the world and we have the strength moments or they have the courageous moments. But sometimes we plummet and we, we, we fall, if you will, uh, in weakness, maybe in fear. And I know for me, a couple years ago, Christy and I, we, uh, we, we took a plane to Colorado. And it was on this plane ride, I had an absence of all courage and all strength. Um, <clears throat> I don't know if you've ever been on a plane around that experiences turbulence. Are you with me? Raise your hand if you know turbulence experience. Yeah, so mine was worse. <laughs> so here's the thing. Like, it was, it was the worst. It wasn't like just, oh, a bumpy patch. It was like the entire trip. You know what I mean? And I literally start praying out loud. I don't know if anybody prayed out loud on a plane. You get looks. So I'm praying out loud because I'm literally freaking out. Like, and I don't get scared. You know what I mean? I'm like, it's turbulence. Come on. But I'm like praying. And Christy's like making fun, making fun of me later. She's like telling the story to other people. She's like acting like I was giving an altar call in there. Like, Jesus, save us. You know, I wasn't doing this. Like, I wasn't like, Lord, hold me. I was not saying that kind of stuff. I was just like faithfully sitting in my chair on this 75 ton 737 being thrown around like a rag doll, right? I was just faithfully sitting in my chair praying to my Father in heaven. Father in heaven, you say, and when we knock, you'll open the door. Don't open these, though. <laughs> I don't want to be sucked out in the night sky. I, 
It was terrible, man. We didn't get our drinks or anything. You're st- anyway, I, I don't want to talk about that kind of courage. And I feel like so many messages are like, oh, we got to overcome fears, and we have these momentary fears, and we kind of... I don't think whenever, whenever God is telling Joshua to be strong and courageous, he's saying, like, I want you to muster up some strength and courage to overcome this big hurdle you've been facing in life. He's not like locker room talk. Let's get up. Let's motivate you to be strong and courageous. Let's do it. Let's overcome our fears and obstacles. It's way beyond that. Like, there's something else going on in this story that made Joshua ready to do what God called him to do to where being strong and courageous wasn't some call to do something that he wasn't prepared to do. There's something else going on here, and I want to talk about that because I believe Joshua, let's talk about him for a second. I mean, if we just really think about who he was, he was different than Moses. Like I said, he was a, he was a, he was a military leader. He was a strong, courageous warrior to some degrees. He was kind of like the biblical Mel Gibson of Braveheart or something like that, right? But even with that, what Joshua did pretty much every day up to this point in his life is he wandered. He was really good at it. I mean, think about it. For 40 years, every day you get up. And God might say, move your camp. And so you pack up and you move and you walk to the next place. And then the next day, you get up, and you're like, oh, there's some manna. And then you get up, and you walk to the next place. He probably became really good at some things. He probably became really good at packing tents. He probably can make a mean campfire. He was probably really good at, like, walking. He was, like, at the very least, Eagle Scout, you know, caliber. You know what I'm saying? But why was God so emphatically telling Joshua to be strong and courageous? I think it was because he was calling him to do something he had never done and go somewhere he had never gone. He was saying, be strong and courageous because I want you to go somewhere you've never gone. I want you to do something you've never done, and courage will be required. And some of you, I think, are in the same place in life. You have places that you need to go, and it may be places within your own heart, not necessarily literal places. But some of you have literal places you need to go. And some of you have things that you need to do in life. And there will be a moment in which you need to be strong and courageous. There will be a moment in which you're standing at the edge of a river, just like Joshua was. And there's going to be this moment where he's like, will you be strong and courageous? Will you step into the river? Will you go do what I've called you to do? There are some of you that are, going to, that are either experiencing that right now or you will in the future. But I want to talk about something that I feel like isn't just about that moment, but it's about the 40 years leading up to that moment. I'm going to show you something. It's, a, it's called a 360-degree leader. If you like leadership books, this is sort of comes, comes from that paradigm, if you will. But it starts with this. It starts with you as a person. You're a, you're a person, and you have leadership that you want to express in your life. And the first place that you lead are those that you're in authority over to some degree, those that you've been given some sort of responsibility to lead. It could be people that you work with that are under your authority, or it could be even your kids, right? You have this, and this is like kind of the basic, construct of leadership is that you're leading people who are following you to some degree, right? But if you become a really, a much better leader than just kind of a top-down leader, you learn how to lead laterally. You you learn how to lead those who are next to you, those who are your colleagues, those who are your friends, those who are your peers, and you learn how to not just lead them the same way, not in some authority structure, but in really it's it's a matter of influence at that point in it, that you have some ability to influence those who stand next to you. But if you're a really, really good leader, you know how to lead up. 
and you lead people in authority above you, and you figure out how the nuances of leading people who are above you, and this is a really, really sophisticated, mature type of leadership. It's so mature, it's mature. <laughs> it's that kind of leadership. You know what I mean? And so some people learn how to do this, but you know who the hardest person to lead in this paradigm is? It's right there in the center. It's you. You're the most difficult person you will ever have to lead by a mile because you know what? No one will ignore, no one will ignore you more than you. No one will disappoint you more than you. And no one will lie to you more than you. Anyone with me? You're the hardest person you'll ever have to lead. Just look at the person right now and just say, quit being difficult. <laughs> You're so difficult to lead. It takes courage to lead yourself. See, Joshua was stuck in a perpetual state of wandering. Yet he was ready when the moment presented itself. I want you to look at what Joshua did. So what did Joshua do? He gets this instruction from God on what they're supposed to do. You got to remember, they've been wandering for 40 years. Here they are, Moses dies, and immediately God calls them to something. So Joshua, this is verse 10. <clears throat> so Joshua ordered the officers of the people. Go through the camp and tell the people, get your provisions ready. Three days from now, you will cross the Jordan here to go in and take possession of the land that the Lord your God is giving you for your own. So you got, I mean, Joshua's been wandering for years. He wasn't living or experiencing the promise, but right here he jumps into action immediately. He says, let's do this. And I really want to explore what gives him the strength and the courage to do it. Because I don't think it's a motivational speech from the Lord to say, hey, be strong and courageous. I think there's something else going on here. I would submit to you that God was doing something in those 40 years that readied him to enter the promised land. And maybe we could say it this way, and I'll put this on screen. Before you experience the promise, you'll experience God's preparation. Before you experience the promise, you're going to experience God's preparation. So how did God prepare Joshua? And I would go on to say, I want to, I want to point to a few things that not only did God prepare Joshua to do, but Joshua prepared himself to do that. He actually did the difficult task of leading himself to be ready for the moment that God presented to him. And I think for some of us, we're going to kind of find ourselves in this story a little bit. We're going to find ourselves in this story because there's so much that happens. And I'm not going to be able to summarize the story of what happens over 40 years because it takes like four chapters of the Bible. We're not going to do that today. But I will, I will assume that a lot of you know this story. And then if you don't, you'll kind of pick up a, a few of the summary points I make. But I, I, I have six things that I want to point to. And for a guy that doesn't usually do points and messages, I've been sure doing a lot of points, by the way. <clears throat> don't know what that means. But the first one is this. Joshua learned from Moses how to follow God. Joshua learned from Moses how to follow God. And, and Joshua was Moses' assistant. In Exodus 24, 13, it says, So Moses arose with his assistant Joshua, and Moses went up to the mountain of God. So you got to imagine Moses goes to the mountain, and we know this story. He goes to the mountain, and he gets the Ten Commandments. You know who's with him? <laughs> Joshua's with him. And so he's not, Joshua is seeing Moses relate to the Lord in this really unique, crazy relationship between Moses and God. Joshua's there witnessing all of it, probably taking notes, probably learning himself, right? And I think what we got to realize is that Joshua's there by his side as every time God gave him some sort of 
crazy instruction. Hey, hit that rock with the staff. Hey, don't eat that. Hey, do this. Hey, wait for me. And constantly Moses was following these direct orders from God, and, and, and Joshua got to witness him do this. And I think for a lot of us, we have to realize, like, the question that we must ask ourselves is, who are we learning from when it comes to following God? Who are we actually learning from up close? Who's someone in your life that you're learning from? And I know this is like a classic discipleship question, but when I think about this, so many of us are relying on sermons and books and podcasts, maybe. If we, if we, if we lean into learning, that's where we learn. And very few of us are leaning into life-on-life relationship. Very few of us are learning into, leaning into finding someone that follows Jesus well and saying, I want to learn from them. I want to be around them. Who are you learning from? Because if you think that the, the buffet of spiritual content, that we, we are so good at content right now in the church, by the way, so good at it. We have more content than we can ever consume. We're so good at content. And if you are relying on the buffet of content to be how you learn in life, you're missing out on God's design for you to learn life on life with another person who can actually disciple you. So I'll stop on this because I could talk. We will do whole messages on this in the future. But this is a huge one for our culture. We aren't learning from one another. We're consuming content from, you know, categories and spaces that we can access through digital media. Anyway, I thought that was a good point. <clears throat> Number two, <laughs> Joshua experienced failure. Joshua saw firsthand what happened when people didn't trust the Lord. So you got to remember, right? So the story goes that um, they didn't go into the promised land because there was a group of people that decided they shouldn't go into the promised land. God had said, I want you to go there. They come back and say, oh, there's people there, and they, we, don't, we don't think we should go there. We're going we're, we're gonna to lose. We don't trust the Lord. Moses consents to this kind of belief that they shouldn't enter the promised land, and they, there's an essence this failure to do what God had called them to do. And there was a, a tremendous setback because of this failure, wasn't there? It was a 40-year setback. And Joshua experienced this collectively with the community, but he experienced it personally to some degree as well, even though he really wanted to go in then. And he experienced failure, and I think for a lot of us, we, get, we can learn a little bit from what Joshua did here, because even though there was failure, he didn't allow failure to remove the promise. And so many of us, we think the failure actually, it actually eliminates the promise from being something that we could still step into. We failed, therefore the promise is no longer available. Joshua actually believes something different. Joshua even believed that even though the failure created a setback, the promise still prevailed. Maybe the question for you is, how has the enemy used failure to, to defeat you instead of allowing God to actually lead you through failure? Because I know for a lot of us, we've had failures in life that have been really tough. And you've walked in failure. You've, maybe it's a failure in a relationship or a marriage or a job or, or whatever it is that has been that thing that has been a crushing defeat to you. And you've wondered if the promise still prevails. Joshua experienced failure, and God did something through that to prepare him for the promise. Number three, Joshua understood how to depend on the Lord. 
Most of you know how the story of the Israelites plays out while they're in the, in the desert where there's no food. There's no food in the desert, so God sent a manna from heaven, this bread from heaven. They had every day quail once a week. There was like this reality that every morning, and I know I'm skipping really quick through this story, but every morning Joshua would wake up and he knew where his provision came from. He knew that it was from the Lord. It was the, and for him, it was very practical and very real. And for us, I think so often, we don't wake up realizing where things come from. And instead, we actually depend on ourselves, become self-reliant. We think so much, we give so much credit to ourselves for actually creating the life that we live. And that's the problem and the challenge we have living in our culture here in America is that we don't have basic needs. Most of us don't. Most of us can provide for our basic needs. But maybe our spiritual dependency has to come out in other ways. Things like, Maybe you have to wake up every morning going, the only way I'm getting peace is from the Lord. The only way I'm getting joy is from the Lord. The only way I'm getting any sort of satisfaction is from the Lord. Because so many people in this world right now, I mean, statistics are crazy. How many people are walking through depression or walking through loneliness? And I'm saying, maybe those are the kinds of things that God is saying, you know what? You can depend on me. You wake up. He's not the quick fix, all that kind of stuff. I get it. It's a journey. But maybe for a lot of us, the dependency, the thing, the answer to the challenges that we're facing in life are not things that we can do on our own, but it really truly is things that only God can provide. And he is our provision. So what are you depending on yourself or do you need to trust the Lord? The fourth thing, Joshua understood patience. Joshua understood patience. I don't know if Joshua liked patience. I don't know who likes patience. I'm sure somebody does out there. Somebody really likes to wait. But I don't know who they are. Um... I don't know if he waited a long time, but here's what I do know about Joshua, though. I know he waited a long time and didn't lose faith. So often when we have to wait, we move on. We're so used to putting effort into something and being able to, A, accomplish it, or B, realize it's not going to work, and so we move on, and we're like, hey, let's move on to the next thing. Win or lose, let us move on. And we don't actually wait on things. Don't you know that Joshua wanted to fix the wandering thing like in year one? Like year one, he's like, hey, guys, I think we can still enter the land. Like, we don't have to, let's, let's figure this out. Don't you know he was like trying to problem solve year one, but he had to wait till year 40? He was working the entire time to get to the promise. But he was waiting. And some of us have to hear the word that we, waiting is good, patience is good. God is preparing you for the promise. <clears throat> so what are you waiting on and will you keep waiting? The fifth one, Joshua experienced God's power. See, over and over again, he saw and experienced God's power. And this is very, very important for a lot of things. Because if you actually just follow the story of Joshua, and even where we're at in Joshua chapter 1, he's standing at the edge of a river. And for him, in order to step into that river, there has to have something has have, have occurred prior to this moment. He's had a seeing God's power in his life to actually believe that when he steps into the river, that he's going to see it again. For most of us, for us to believe that God's going to do something in our life, it's helpful when we've seen him do it before. And so for a lot of us, we're going, I, I haven't, I'm not, maybe you don't see God's power in your life. Maybe you're, you're like, if I said, hey, have you seen God's power? I mean, Joshua saw God's power. Do you see God's power? Do you understand God's power? Have you ever experienced God's power? And a lot of people are like, eh, I don't know. I don't know. Here's what I'd say. A couple things. One, if you don't see God's power, experience God's power in your life, I'd say, A, start looking for it. Start looking for it because it's around you. And B, don't just start looking for it. 
start asking for it. Start actually asking for God's power to come into your life. And I think when he, whenever you say, hey, God, will you come into my life? Will you fill me up with your power? I think he will do it. And then the last thing I'd say about that, so I said two things, but three things. The third one is this, don't be afraid. Don't be afraid of his power. So many people that don't see his God, God's power, it's because A, they're not looking for it, B, they're not asking for it, and C, it's because they're afraid of it. So they just back away and say, eh, that's a little weird for me. It's a little, I don't know about that. God's power weird. Okay, yeah, I'm out. I don't see God's power. Well, of course, you're not looking for it. You're not asking for it, and you're not, and you're afraid of it. So, of course, you're not going to see it. That was good, too. Thanks, Tim. Okay, number six. <clears throat> number six, Joshua learned God's instruction, meaning the word. So remember what God encouraged Joshua with, chapter 1. I read this already, chapter 1, verses 7 and 8. Be careful to obey all the law my servant Moses gave you. Do not turn from it to the right or to the left, that you may be successful wherever you go. Keep this book of the law always on your lips. Meditate on it day and night so that you may be careful to do everything written in it. Then you will be prosperous and successful. So meditate on this thing. I've given you what you need to be successful, even prosperous, so real quick, what about you? What about, what about you? Have you truly meditated and learned God's word? Is it in your heart night and day? How are you submitting to having a rhythm and a routine with the word of God in your life? So if you want to lean into the difficult task of leading yourself and preparing yourself for the promise, you want to lead yourself. Well, here you go. I'll just go through these real quick. Instead of that, you can need to get around godly leaders and learn from them. You need to be okay with your failures and allow God to prune and refine you. You need to quit only doing things that you can do, meaning self-reliant things, and be courageous enough to do things only he can do. You need to be willing to wait on the promises, words, and dreams God's place in your heart. Don't rush them. You need to always look for God's power and ask the Lord for more of his spirit. And you need to live into the rhythms and routines that submit to reading the word and relating with God through prayer. Okay, I could probably say a million more things, but I'm just saying if we want to actually prepare ourselves we want to lead ourselves we want to these are some of the things we're going to do are you with me these are some of the things we're going to do are you with me yeah you want to lead yourself here you go some of you have places you need to go and things that you need to do and today you need to hear let the work of preparation be done in in you because the most difficult person you ever lead is yourself and we must lean into the work of preparation because listen he can't give you the breakthrough or the promised land if you're not ready. So yes, be strong and courageous, but it's beyond that. And so today, I've been speaking this big, huge picture kind of strong and courageous, this whole preparing for the promise. Some of you are like, I don't even know what the promise is. Some of you are like, I'm totally, this is great. What, what are we talking about? <laughs> Some of us are like pure like wanderers, like we are wandering. And if I said, hey, what's the next 10 years of your life look like? You'd be like somewhere in between, um, somewhere in between clueless and I have no idea. Some of us are at a place where like God's kind of given you some passions in your heart and you felt like you've got to the edge of the river, but then you've backed up because you don't know exactly how to step in. You see, he can't give you the breakthrough of the promised land until you've actually prepared. And so I could tell you to be strong and courageous all day long. In fact, culture tells us to do that, doesn't it? 
culture is like, be strong, be courageous. It's like, be brave. That's, the, that's one of the mantras of our culture. And it's really around this. It's really like, hey, go pursue your dreams. Go be successful. Go some entrepreneurial endeavor to go conquer the world. Go be strong and courageous enough to do that. Go be a winner. That's the world's message to us. That's how we've taken being strong and courageous and put it at the forefront of the message. But you got to understand, he doesn't say be strong and courageous until he's already done the work of preparation. And then it's just like a little nudge. Hey, by the way, go do this thing that I prepared you for. Be strong and courageous. Don't be afraid. I got you. I'll be with you. You see, it's a totally different paradigm whenever it's thrown in at the end as it's this final little, little, just, just nudge. I've prepared you. I've got you ready. You're standing at the edge of the river. I got a promise for you. Remember, I'm with you. Culture says, culture says this. Culture says, oh, go be strong and courageous. Go build this thing. Go be, go be bold. Go step out there before you've ever prepared anything. And that's why you have all these people crashing and burning. Because they're stepping out being to be strong and courageous, but they're not prepared for anything. See, strong and courageous isn't about the willingness to take rips, risks or even steps of faith. It's about being a person who believes in the preparation you've done to step into the big things that God's put in front of you that are bigger than yourself. I'm going to say that again. Being strong and courageous isn't about the willingness to take risks or steps of faith. It's actually about believing in the preparation that God's done and that you've done to step into the big things that God's put in front of you that are bigger than yourself. Most of, us, most of us don't lead ourselves to prepare. We hope we're ready to step in bold and brave. But then it becomes more a matter of survival of the fittest at that point. Can we sink? Can we swim? And a lot of people sink. And I just believe there's a work of preparation that God wants to do in us. And I believe it's something that a lot of us have to look at ourselves and go, the hardest, most difficult task that I have is to lead myself to do the things that God's put in front of me to do. Because when that moment comes, whenever we feel like, oh, this is a big step, this is the promise I'm stepping into, like I said, it's just that little nudge. Hey, don't be afraid, I'm with you. And here's what I know. I know some of us are wandering. And like I said, some of us are like, I don't even know what the promise is. I, I, I really have no idea. I do feel like I'm just living life and I'm sort of wandering. And here's the message I want to tell you is that God loves wanderers. <laughs> Who were the wanderers? They were his people. Who were the wanderers? They were his chosen people. God loves the wanderers. But he wants to look at the wanderers and say, but I have more. I have more for you. I'm not, you're not going to wander forever, but will you prepare with me? You don't have to know the promise before you start preparing. So many people are focused on the end game and they want to say, I want to know what the promise is. What am I chasing after? Instead of just saying, I'm going to be prepared to when I discover what I'm chasing after, I'm ready for the moment. And so we don't prepare because we don't know what the promise is. But what if we started preparing and then we found ourselves standing at the edge of a river and God said, now step in because I have a promise on the other side. You're gonna see my power. 
And so we don't prepare. We wait for the promise. And he's just saying, would you just prepare with me? Could, would, you just, would you just do the things that I've said? Would you, just, would you just actually get around other people that know how to follow Jesus and actually learn from them? Would you just start reading my word? Would you just start trusting me in the failures? Would you, start, would you start giving me credit for the provision I've given you in life? Would you start glorifying me? Would you start preparing your heart to be ready for the big thing that's way bigger than you? So when that moment comes, you'll be ready to step He'll lead us to the promise. He loves his wanderers. So I want to pray over us. Uh, I want to pray over many in the room. But I, I, do, I do want to come back to that one little point. I love the nudge that God says, I'm with you. Because he said that to Joshua, but he said that to Moses too, didn't he? Like the very beginning, remember when Moses said, oh, I don't know if I can do this, who am I? And he goes, oh, don't worry about it, I'm with you. Well, he also says that to Abraham, Genesis 26, he says, do not be afraid, I am with you. He says it in Isaiah 41.10, do not be dismayed, for I am with you. Jeremiah 1.8, do not be afraid, for I am with you, says the Lord. Haggai 1.3, I am with you, declares the Lord. Zephaniah 3.17, the Lord your God is in your midst. And in Matthew 28.20, Jesus says, I am with you always to the very end of the age. The very same thing that God said to Joshua. The best news for those who want to be strong and courageous is that one God will prepare you for the moment and he will be with you in the moment and I know I need that truth resting in my heart every day as a person that God is with me I need it every day so I want to pray like I said over many in this room and so would you just bow your heads with me today and I'm just going to invite um a few of you to respond and many of you to respond and I just say I'll just say a prayer a prayer that we just ask the Lord to do a work but I don't know maybe many of you are feeling uh, like if I said you find yourself in this story you feel like the wandering piece sort of makes sense to you that that's truly a little bit where you are you don't if you were going to say what's next 10 years like it's somewhere around the clueless kind of um, description and you're not quite sure of what the future holds. And if you feel like that's you today and you don't quite know what the future holds, you are a little bit in a wandering state and you would love, you would love to start feeling a greater sense of direction and purpose in your life. If that's you, um, would you just lift your hand? No one's looking around. No one's looking around. Just lift your hand. I'm going to pray for you. That's good. Anybody else? Father, I want to pray right now for friends in the room that resonate with the with the times in life that we are a little bit unsure of what what you have in store i want to pray that first of all they they they're reminded that they're loved by you and that you have more for them but i also want to pray that father uh, they would lean into the preparation they would lean into to being faithful in the things that you put in front of them, the things that they already know, and they would let the things that they don't know stay in the future until you're ready to reveal. So Lord, may we not be paralyzed by the future in the present, but Lord, may we be active in the present so you can reveal our future. And so Father, I, uh, I pray this over each and every one of my friends. Lord, would you just... Would you just help them in their season of life where they are they're trying to figure it out? 
I'm wondering if there's anybody in the room, I assume there are, that you feel like, you know what, I kind of feel like the Lord's shown me a picture of the future, but I feel a little bit like I'm on the edge of a river. There's a big river in between here and there, and I'm not quite sure how to get across it. If you feel like you're sort of at that season of life where you're at the edge of a river and you're <clears throat> praying for God's help and knowing how to cross it, and how to step into this promise, so to speak. If that's where you're at, would you just lift your hand? Just lift your hand. No one's looking around. Lift your hand. Yeah. Father, I pray for my friends. I pray the Lord, a prayer of thanks, the Lord, you've given them pictures. You've given them dreams. You've given them things in their heart, the Lord, that they believe that you're calling them to. And Lord, I just pray that, Lord, um, Father, we first of all pray that, Lord, for each person that today maybe sparks a thought in their mind that maybe you have preparation work that you want to complete in them. So, Lord, would you reveal those things, the, the work of preparation that you want to complete? Would you reveal that to them right now, Father? But, Lord, I also pray when they're ready that, Lord, they have the strength and the courage they need to trust you for the things that you're putting in front of them. And the last one is I, I just want to pray for a little bit more broader call to prayer, but for anybody that just generally is like, I do need a strength and courage. I need a strength and courage because life is is just uh, taking it out of me and I can I feel weak, weaker than I should or I feel more afraid than I should. And, and maybe you're just in a place where you're like, I need the Lord's strength. I need the Lord's encouragement today. If that's where you're at, would you just lift your hand? Lift your hand. You need his strength. You need his encouragement. Yeah, totally. Father, in the name of Jesus, I pray. Holy Spirit, would you come on these people? Would you fill them up with your strength? Would you fill them up with your courage, Father? It's only by your Spirit that we can walk with you. And so, Lord, I pray by the by the power of the Spirit that, Lord, these people would be encouraged today, that they would be strength today. Would you fill them up from the bottom of their feet to the top of their heads with your Spirit and the strength of your Spirit? And, Lord, we know that that's where our power comes from. We know that's where our strength comes from as your word says. And so, Lord, I pray in the name of Jesus. Let me just say these things, and then I'll finish. Maybe you feel like you've been preparing for a long time, and I would just say maybe you need today to just remember to let the work of patience finish its work. Some of you, maybe you need to learn from someone who's following Jesus in a way that you can learn from. Maybe you need to look at failure differently today. That failure may not have been God's will, but he will not let it defeat you if you won't let it. Maybe it's time for you to find your rhythm for reading the word and being in prayer with the Lord. But whatever it is for you today, I pray the work of, of preparation continues to lead you forward. Father, we love you. We pray that God, um, we pray for life. We pray that we would just trust you with more and that, Father, we would we would always be in, 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 a, in a heart and a mindset that, of knowing that you are with us. And so, Father, thank you for the encouragement to be strong and courageous. Thank you for the preparation and the work you do in us. We trust you, Lord, with whatever it is you have ahead of us. We pray all these things in your name. Amen. 
We hope you've enjoyed this week's message. If there's anything we can pray with you about, or if you have questions about God, we'd love to talk with you. Please visit our contact page at okccommunitychurch.com.